Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 81, recorded here on September 10th, 2023. This podcast is for entertainment only, it's not investing advice, so please do your own homework. Uh, I set a goal at the beginning of this year to reach... 3,000 downloads of my podcast, and I am really, really close. So I would just ask you if you wouldn't mind if you enjoy my podcast, if you could share it with uh, some folks so I can hit my goal. That would be awesome. Um, And it'd be good to get a few more people to get these weekly updates so they can learn a bit more about what's going on in Bitcoin. Uh, we got a lot to cover this week, so thanks for that in advance. Um, and we got a lot to cover this week. So we have a market update outlook, of course, and then um, plenty of Bitcoin news to go through. And then we'll uh, finish up with this week's Substack. And with that, we'll get started. U.S. stocks recovered slightly on Friday, but ended up down for the week as anxiety over the Federal Reserve turning more hawkish impacted investor sentiment. I just still think this, that's just ridiculous. I mean, come on, really? We're, we're, we're dependent upon the Federal Reserve to decide how we're gonna make our investments. It's just, it's ludicrous. Truly, we live in clown world. The tech-heavy NASDAQ composite finished 0.1% up on Friday as Apple tried to rebound after sliding more than 6% over the past two days amid headlines concerning China's ban of iPhone use in government agencies. At the same time, the benchmark S&P 500 concluded Friday's session up 0.1%, while the blue chip Dow ended 0.2% higher. For the week, the Dow was down 0.8% and finished trading at 34,577, the S&P was down 1.3% and finished trading at 4457, and the Nasdaq Composite was down 1.9% and finished trading at 13761. With the latest jump in oil prices in the past few days driven by longer than expected production cuts by key oil nations, Saudi Arabia and Russia, along with confounding labor market data in the form of initial jobless claims falling for a fourth straight week. All eyes are now on next week's Consumer Price Index report for further clarity on the Fed's future monetary policy actions. So there you have it. Looking ahead, the August Consumer Price Index report could put some meat back on the bones for inflation hawks looking for a vigilant Federal Reserve, while the Fed is largely considered to be nearing the end of its hiking cycle. The terminal rate is still up for debate. The economic calendar next week will also feature updates on retail sales, producer prices, and jobless claims. Federal Reserve speakers are in a blackout period ahead of the FOMC meetings scheduled for September 19th and 20th, which could give the economic reports extra weight. uh, Let's see, an analyst here, Victor Durganov, thinks the Fed should support markets and may move to an easier monetary stance as the calendar moves into the new year. 
However, he noted that the economic image may need to worsen before the Federal Reserve shows more apparent signs that the pivot is near. Oracle and Adobe are the most notable earnings reports next week. Key events include Apple's Wonderlust iPhone reveal, the Salesforce Dreamforce conference, and the Senate's first AI Insight Forum. The start of the Google Monopoly trial will also capture plenty of headlines. The trial marks the first major tech anti-monopoly case in the U.S. in several decades. All right. Moving into Bitcoin and related news. Uh, it's not all Bitcoin news, but mostly. Uh, we can review. This is from Bitcoin.com, and this was posted today. Uh, first, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. China doesn't want war with the U.S. They want to, quote, bury us economically. U.S. presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has explained that China does not want a war with the U.S. However, he warned that China wants to bury the U.S. economically. I'm not afraid of the United States competing with China head-to-head -head in countries around the world. I think that's good for us. I think we win that competition, the presidential hopeful stated. Peter Schiff says U.S. can't afford to decouple from China, warns of dollar collapse. Economist Peter Schiff has warned that the U.S. cannot afford to decouple from China. Our entire standard of living rests on the support of China, he stressed, adding that if we lose that support, it's going to collapse. He also predicted the collapse of the U.S. dollar as the U.S. dollar loses its world reserve currency status. Report reveals 88,200 millionaires built wealth through cryptocurrency. Study by Henley and Partners, an investment migration consultancy in London, reveals an interesting insight of the world's 56.1 million millionaires. A notable 88,200 have earned their fortunes in cryptocurrency. JP Morgan expects SEC to approve multiple spot Bitcoin ETFs at once. Global investment bank J.P. Morgan expects the United States Securities and Exchange Commission to approve multiple spot Bitcoin exchange-traded funds at once instead of giving one company the advantage of being the first. The bank's analyst explained that if the securities regulator wants to defend its denial of Grayscale's Bitcoin ETF conversion proposal, it would have to retroactively withdraw its prior, previous approval of Bitcoin futures ETFs. Such a retroactive withdrawal would be very disruptive and embarrassing for the SEC, he cautioned. Okay, uh, next article is also from Bitcoin.com. This was posted yesterday. Uh, articles titled, Indonesia expands de-dollarization efforts with national task force formation. Bank Indonesia, the Indonesian central bank, announced on Tuesday that it had quote, formed a national task force to expand the use of local currency transactions in Indonesia with partner countries. The Memorandum of Understanding concerning the National LCT Task Force was signed on the sidelines of this year's ASEAN Summit in Jakarta on Tuesday. Besides the Central Bank, the Coordinating Ministry for Economic Affairs, Coordinating Ministry for Maritime Affairs, and Investment Ministry of Finance, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Ministry of Industry, Ministry of Trade, Ministry of State-Owned Enterprises, 
Financial Services Authority and Indonesia Deposit Insurance Corporation also participate in the LCT project. The announcement details, currently LCT Corporation has been implemented between uh, Indonesia and several neighboring countries, namely Malaysia, Thailand, Japan, and China. Meanwhile, Singapore and South Korea have also signed cooperation agreements to build an LCT implementation framework with Indonesia. Indonesia recently ramped up its de-dollarization efforts. In April, Bank Indonesia Governor Perry Wargio stated that Indonesia is following the lead of the BRICS economic bloc, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, to shift away from using the U.S. dollar in international trade and financial transactions. The BRICS nations recently wrapped up their summit in Johannesburg. The economic group invited six countries to join as new members. At the conclusion of the summit, the BRICS leaders agreed to encourage the use of national currencies in international trade and financial transactions. Indonesia is a member of the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, or ASEAN, along with Brunei, Cambodia, Laos, Malaysia, Myanmar, Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, and Vietnam. In May, the leaders of the Asian nations agreed to push the use of local currencies for economic and financial transactions. And so, you know, this is just another signpost of uh, the waning influence of the dollar. Uh, not going to go away tomorrow, uh, probably not next week and probably not next year, but it's, it's certainly the trend is there and uh, something to for all of us to be aware of. Uh, next up, uh, this also from Bitcoin.com. This was posted today. Articles entitled Fed Official Digital Dollar Decision Still a Long Way Off. The Vice Chair for Supervision of the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System, Michael Barr, talked about the Fed's central bank digital currency progress on Friday at the 7th Annual FinTech Conference hosted by the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. As the pace of innovation increases, the payments landscape continues to evolve with the emergence of new programmable payments platforms, including those built on distributed ledger technology and blockchain technology and new forms of digital assets, such as cryptocurrencies, stable coins, and central bank digital currencies, he said. In my view, as both the issuer of U.S. currency and as an operator in the payment system, the Federal Reserve must understand these developments and the trade-offs they introduce. The Fed official emphasized, of course, investigation and research are very different from decision-making about next steps in terms of payment system development, and we are a long way from that. The Federal Reserve has made no decision on issuing a CBDC and would only proceed with the issuance of a CBDC with clear support from the executive branch and authorizing legislation from Congress, he clarified. Bar statements echo those made by Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell, who similar stress that the Fed will not proceed with the issuance of a digital currency without clear authorization from Congress. Powell also stated in September last year that it will take at least a couple of years for the Fed to come to a decision on whether to issue a digital dollar. Regarding U.S. dollar-denominated stablecoins issued by the private sector, Barr opined, I remain deeply concerned about stablecoin issuance without strong federal oversight, he cautioned. If non-federally regulated stablecoins were to become a widespread means of payment and store value, they could pose significant risk to financial stability, monetary policy, and the U.S. payment system.
In August, the Fed issued guidelines for banks to follow before engaging in the issuance, possession, or transactions involving U.S. dollar stablecoins. In addition, uh, Congress is currently considering the Clarity for Payments Stablecoins Act, uh, which the House Financial Services Committee recently greenlighted. So uh, no CBDC anytime soon, but uh, you can bet it's on the horizon someday. Um, seems only logical. There's a lot of energy around it. It's certainly a lot going on in that space globally. Um, and uh, people will not willingly accept it. It's going to get forced. So keep that in mind. Um, next up, I thought was, uh, I guess we'll call this the shitcoin corner. Uh, FTX, this one's from, sorry, from the block. Um, this was posted, uh, I guess today. FTX filing reveals payments to Shaq, Naomi Osaka, David Ortiz, and more. A recent court filing from the current management of FTX has revealed the details behind some of the company's marketing and sponsorship deals under its former CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried. The document, which was filed August 31st, lists millions of dollars in payments to celebrity athletes Shaquille O'Neal, Naomi Osaka, David Ortiz, and Trevor Lawrence, alongside organizations such as the MLB, and the NBA's Miami Heat, and the Golden State Warriors franchises, also listed Coachella, GameStop, Kevin O'Leary, and several LLCs, which couldn't be traced back to known individuals. According to the filing, the payments represent certain prepayments related to various advertising and sponsorship agreements, security deposits, retainers, and other miscellaneous deposits and prepayments. However, the authors acknowledge that the data may not reflect an exhaustive list of all deposits and prepayments. FTX under Bankman-Fried was known for its wide-ranging marketing efforts, including purchasing the naming rights to the Miami Heat Stadium for a reported $135 million, hiring comedian Larry David for a Super Bowl ad, and frequently featuring investor Tom Brady in other ads. The filing acknowledged that it's unclear how much, if anything, the FTX estate will be able to claw back from the prepayments listed in the filing, noting the recovered amount may vary materially from the amounts reported herein. FTX has attempted to claw back funds from a variety of sources, including $700 million from K5 Global, a venture capital firm whose founder allegedly helped connect Sam Bankman-Fried with elite individuals. The FTX estate has also gone after funds held by Bankman-Fried and the other top FTX executives directly, philanthropic organizations connected to FTX, and companies purchased by FTX before the collapse. Bankman-Fried is set to be tried in court on October 3rd for charges of fraud he allegedly perpetrated while running the exchange. So for these uh, these athletes, I think they learned a valuable lesson, which is uh, there's no such thing as free money. And uh, you got to be careful who you associate yourself with because they might be the scammer of the century. And that will drag you down. And there's no price that uh, is, is worth that. Next up from Coindesk, this was posted on September 8th. Um, kind of an interesting development. Ripple acquires crypto-focused chartered trust company, Fortress Trust. 
Blockchain firm Ripple has acquired Fortress Trust, a Nevada-based chartered trust company with a crypto and Web3 focus, the company said in an email on Friday. Financial terms for the acquisition were not disclosed. Ripple declined to disclose further details when contacted by Coindesk, although a person with knowledge of the matter said the price tag was less than $250 million it paid for custody firm Medico in May. The acquisition adds Nevada to Ripple's list of regulatory licenses, which includes a New York bit license and money transmitter licenses in 30 U.S. states. Fortress Trust, which provides financial and regulatory structure for blockchain companies, was formed by Scott Purcell, who has a long history in the industry. He was CEO of crypto custodian Prime Trust until 2020. Years after he left Prime Trust, the company was ordered into receivership after fellow custodian BitGo terminated its proposed acquisition of the firm. Monica Long, Ripple's president, described the acquisition as bolstering the firm's aim of becoming the one-stop shop for enterprises looking to convert, store, and move value on blockchain. Ripple became a minority investor in Fortress Trust's parent company, Fortress Blockchain Technologies, in August 2022 as part of the Web3 Infrastructure Provider's seed round. Uh, so very interesting. Um, and again, um, Fortress was a qualified custodian. There's been a lot of questions raised about them and how they handled private keys and lost people's coins and all this other stuff. So um, just stay humble, stack sats, uh, hold your own keys and private, private, uh, private keys and cold storage and stay away from uh, this stuff and you'll be fine. And of course, Ripple, you know, nobody in the Bitcoin space likes Ripple at all. So they're, uh, they're the bad guy. Next, uh, we have, uh, this is from Cointelegraph. This was updated, uh, looks like yesterday. One in, four, one in four investment firms assign senior execs to digital assets, according to a report. Based on the findings of a market intelligence firm, uh, an increasing number of investment firms in the United States, the United Kingdom, and Europe are appointing senior executives to lead digital asset investment strategies. According to a recent Amber Data report titled Digital Assets Managers Data Infrastructure Fuel, 24% of asset management firms have adopted a digital asset strategy with an extra 13% planning to do so in the next two years. These roles are being staffed up with almost a quarter of firms with a senior role dedicated to digital assets, reflecting seriousness about implementation as well as senior management buy-in. Approximately half or 48% of the study participants include digital assets in their firm's portfolio. Amber data also forecasts that in the coming two years, an increasing number of asset managers will continue to emphasize digital asset trading and investment strategies. Despite ongoing regulatory pressure in the U.S., crypto industry uh, from the Securities and Exchange Commission and Commodities Future Trading Commission, uh, Amber Data predicts a potential positive outcome in the next few years. The good news is that the tide may be turning. In the next five years, the SEC and the CFTC are expected to be providing the most positive opportunities for investors in our study, the report states. Additionally, it highlighted that Ripple's recent partial legal victory against the SEC may attract more asset management firms to adopt a digital asset strategy. 
In recent news, European digital asset manager CoinShares reported a total revenue of 20.3 million pounds or 25.9 million dollars. In the second quarter of 2023, a 33% increase compared with the prior year's quarter. So the suits are getting in the game. Next up, uh, this is from Decrypt. This was posted on September 6th. Marathon Digital's Bitcoin production drops 9% in August due to Texas heat. Publicly traded Bitcoin mining company Marathon Digital Holdings has reported a 9% drop in Bitcoin production for August 2023 compared to the previous month, according to the firm. The decline in production was primarily due to temporary shutdowns of mining operations in Texas, where extreme heat conditions prevailed. In its unaudited operations updates for August, Marathon revealed that it produced 1,072 Bitcoin during the month, representing a 9% drop from July. Fred Thiel, Marathon's chairman and CEO, stated that the decrease was mainly due to increased curtailment activity in Texas due to record high temperatures, adding that the temporary shutdowns more than offset the progress we've made to increase our operational hash rate and optimize our operations. Despite the month-over-month decline, the firm reported significant growth compared to the previous year. In August 2022, Marathon's average daily production was 5.9 Bitcoin, and it has since surged by 477% to reach 34.3 Bitcoin per day. Let's see, article goes on to say Marathon reported a 2% month-over-month increase in its U.S. operational hash rate, which now stands at 19.1 exahash per second. This growth, the company said, was achieved through the replacement of older Bitmain S19J Pro miners with more efficient S19XP mining rigs. On top of that, Marathon is awaiting the completion of paperwork for its new facility in Garden City, Texas, which is expected to further enhance its operational capabilities. The company also reached its primary domestic growth target at 23 exahash per second for installed hash rate, according to Thiel. Marathon's total anticipated hash rate, once fully deployed, is now 30 exahash per second, um, which includes 2 exahash per per second planned outside the U.S. and an additional five exahash per second of contracted capacity. Marathon's joint venture in Abu Dhabi, which launched earlier this year, contributed 50 Bitcoin to its production in August with approximately 10 Bitcoin representing Marathon's share. The operational hash rate for this venture has reached one and a half exahash per second and plans are in place to scale up to seven exahash per second by the end of the year. Last month, Marathon CEO told Decrypt that the mining firm is also looking into expanding in Latin America, Africa, and Asia. We believe there are some very interesting opportunities in Africa, Latin America, and parts of Asia, and over time will likely be 50-50 between the U.S. and the rest of the world, Thiel said in an interview with Decrypt. As of August 31, 2023, Marathon held a total of 13,286 Bitcoin, with 13,111 Bitcoin being unrestricted, with 750 Bitcoin sold during the month and further plans to sell a portion of its Bitcoin holdings. According to the firm, this is done to support monthly operations, manage its treasury, and for general corporate purposes. Additionally, Marathon occasionally uses a portion of its Bitcoin for various treasury activities. The company concluded the month with 111.2 million in cash and cash equivalents, 
the combined balance sheet of unrestricted cash and Bitcoin reached $445.5 million, a more than two-fold increase compared to $201.5 million during the same uh, period previous year. So it looks like the miners, uh, well, at least um, Marathon, is looking to diversify internationally, probably because of a lot of the noise in the U.S. with the regulatory uh, issues and Congress rulemaking uh, up in the air. It makes sense to uh, uh, spread it around a bit. Um, so uh, that will be interesting to watch for sure. Uh, but they seem to be doing quite well. And uh, yeah, moving on. Uh, let's see. This is from Bitcoin Magazine. This was posted on September 7th. Peach Bitcoin upgrades peer to peer trading experience. Peach Bitcoin has officially launched Peach 0.3 while coinciding with the one year anniversary of the company. This new version introduces new features a comprehensive wallet that seamlessly integrates with the app, enabling users to manage their Bitcoin holdings effortlessly. With this upgrade, users can send and receive Bitcoin and fund a sell offer with just a few clips, clicks. One standout feature of this wallet is its UTXO management and accessibility, making coin control easier for everyone. It also integrates an address checker to verify if an address belongs to your wallet, ensuring added security. Peach emphasizes individual sovereignty and self-custody, and users retain full control of their private keys with a 12-seed word setup. Some people will join Peach because they align with our values, said Peach Bitcoin's co-founder, Steph. But the mass who will use Peach will do so because it's the best product at their disposal. In an effort towards democratizing Bitcoin access, Peach is also expanding its reach to the global south, including Latin America and Africa. Peach's KYC-free solution for purchasing Bitcoin aims to empower individuals in regions where traditional financial services may be limited. The app has integrated currencies and payment methods from countries including Argentina, Colombia, Costa Rica, Chile, Mexico, Peru, Venezuela, in Latin America, and Congo, Cote d'Ivoire, Nigeria, and Africa. Peach is also keen to collaborate with local Bitcoin meetups and communities on the ground, facilitating cash purchases of Bitcoin and sharing revenue from every trade completed via these meetup or community groups. With Peach 0.3, the company is also releasing its verifiable source code, allowing developers and enthusiasts to delve into the inner workings of the app. This initiative aims to encourage innovation and collaboration with the Peach ecosystem. Peach app adopts the MIT CC license to make the code verifiable while safeguarding its intellectual property and fully open sourcing tech integrations like batching transactions and Noster integration under the MIT license. Peach Bitcoin's key features include the fastest peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin trading in the market, averaging just nine minutes to complete a contract. It employs a two out of two multi-signature escrow between Peach and the seller becoming a single signature for Peach after 30 days in case of a dispute. User data is end-to-end -end encrypted and saved on the user's device, not on the company's server. The app also boasts an in-app chat and dispute management system with round-the-clock customer support and high buy liquidity, 
featuring over 600 buy offers available at all times. As a special treat for the launch of Peach 0.3, the company is introducing the promo code OpenSource, which grants users free one free buy trade at SATs back for selling Bitcoin. Uh, so if you haven't tried uh, buying peer-to-peer, you should. Um, I, I tried it on BISC, um, but obviously you could use Peach Bitcoin, and there's there's others as well. But uh, it's an interesting experience, and it's pretty pretty simple, pretty easy to do. Um, you just have to select a payment method. So um, let's see, the ones I did was with um, um, well, you can you can do it with Strike, uh, or or you can do it with uh, Zelle. So I did I did uh, I did mine with Zelle. Um, and it is set up as an escrow. The seller has to put some Bitcoin at risk. You have to put some Bitcoin at risk. Um, and then once the transaction settles, uh, you get the Bitcoin back that you had to post up. So it's uh, and it's all completely decentralized and automated. And um, <coughs> all the Bitcoin that you acquire through that is KYC free, which is nice. It's nice to have a little stack of uh, KYC free Bitcoin. And that's the the way to, one way to do it. Of course, the other way is you sell something to somebody and they send you Bitcoin for it. Um, that's also you know uh, you know a way to build your KYC free stack. So uh, and then last here, an interesting uh, piece from Bitcoin Magazine. This was posted on September seventh. This is an update on El Salvador. Uh, El Salvador launches education program to teach Bitcoin in every school. So I thought this was really interesting because, as as we all know in the United States, uh, financial education is not taught in the schools, and it's probably done so on purpose to keep people in the dark, so that they become fiat wage slaves and uh, debt slaves. So uh, here's a small country that's uh, really doing its part. And again, you know, there's a lot of, you know, confusing uh, news reporting on El Salvador that, well, they're, it's a top down, they're pushing Bitcoin down on the people. Not really. It's, it's really a grassroots effort. And this is really an example of how the grassroots effort has um, made it back up to the top in terms of a priority for the government. So anyway, diving in, El Salvador, the first nation to officially adopt Bitcoin as legal tender is once again making headlines in the world of cryptocurrency. With the combined efforts of My First Bitcoin, Bitcoin Beach, and the Ministry of Education, the nation announced the inception of an ambitious pilot program today. This initiative aims to incorporate Bitcoin education in all schools across the country by 2024. Initiated on the two-year mark of the groundbreaking Bitcoin law, this program is set to train 150 public school teachers about Bitcoin. After receiving their training, these educators will disperse across the nation, integrating Bitcoin knowledge into their respective curriculum and classrooms. The key player, My First Bitcoin, is a nonprofit and Bitcoin education-focused NGO rooted in El Salvador, having imparted Bitcoin education to over 25,000 in-person students since 2021. They have shown an unwavering commitment to enlightening the masses about this digital currency. Their comprehensive 10-week Bitcoin diploma is now in its fifth edition, which is the Ministry of Education adopted as foundational material to structure the country's curriculum. 
The success of Bitcoin Beach, a pioneering project that fosters a Bitcoin circular economy, played a pivotal role in El Salvador's decision to recognize Bitcoin as legal tender. Their invaluable contributions span from facilitating trainings to funding the printing of educational material. Another crucial supporter, the Bitcoin Office, is a governmental entity birthed in El Salvador. Their continuous dedication ensured the triumphant realization of this project. Their alliance with Cubo further highlights their commitment to not only mainstream Bitcoin education, but also to promote elite developer programs. With a clear vision, My First Bitcoin was established with dual aspirations to position El Salvador as a global frontrunner in Bitcoin education and to make the country a beacon of inspiration for the world. As the Ministry of Education embarks on this novel journey, the global community is undoubtedly watching with keen interest. The impact of My First Bitcoin has already rippled beyond El Salvador's borders. Collaborating with grassroots projects in over 20 countries, they have generously shared their open source resources and best practices. Their influence is also evident in early dialogues with two Latin American governments which are considering large-scale Bitcoin education programs. El Salvador's pioneering spirit and dedicated partners are shaping the future of Bitcoin education, fostering a generation that is well-versed with the world's most renowned cryptocurrency. The nation stands as a testament to what's possible when innovation meets education. So really exciting news. And uh, I think, uh, you know, learning about Bitcoin certainly takes you down a lot of different rabbit holes and you begin to understand about a lot of other things um, about economics um, and finances. And, uh, and so it's, uh, it's, I think it's just wonderful. And, uh, and it's also, you know, again, uh, open source and, um, you know, as it should be. Um, so we wish them lots of luck. Finally, wanted to highlight this week's blog post uh, it's entitled Bitcoin, a Symphony of Financial Innovation, Understanding Bitcoin Through Sailors Metaphors. And so uh, check that out. I'll put a link uh, in the show notes to that, along with um, all the other uh, articles that I went over this week. And uh, if you like it, subscribe. It's free. Um, and that will, will about do it for this week. So thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Uh, also, share with a friend. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. If you're not listening on Fountain, you should be because you can earn sats just for listening to your favorite podcast every week. It's kind of random. Sometimes you don't get any. Sometimes you get one per minute. and Sometimes you get a lot. Um, so you kind of just have to log in every day and see what you get. But it's fun. And you get some sats, and then you can maybe move them to another wallet, and then you can use them on Noster to reward your favorite uh, creators on Noster. You can also follow my Substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com, and uh, follow me on Noster. Um, I put my mpub in the show notes, so you can follow me there. I am not on any other social media. I'm done with... Uh, all of the negativity and uh, Nostra's been great. So uh, check it out. With that, I will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.